All right. Happy Friday again, everyone. Uh, and welcome back to another episode of Learning Tech Talks, where we are continually exploring the landscape of learning tech, cutting through the fluff while getting your questions answered. And today I'm joined by Annie Bayou from EdCast. And did I did I pronounce it right? Was I pretty close? Yeah, absolutely. You did a you did a better job this week than you did last week, right? <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, see, you know what? In that spirit that. <laughs> of continual development, I've been practicing. So that's excellent. All right. So she is from EdCast, and we're going to be talking about a lot of different things because this is not just a conversation about LXPs. It's a conversation about future of work. Uh, we were just talking about some of the different capabilities they're building into things. So I have a feeling we're going to fill this hour very quickly. So those of you watching, make sure you ask your questions because we could go in a lot of different directions here. Um, but while you're at it, as we're getting rolling here, comment in and let us know where you're joining from. Annie, where are you in the world today? I am sitting in my apartment in Paris today. Paris, France, not Paris, Texas. <laughs> Good clarification. Good clarification. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. And is it, is it staying right weather-wise? Is it getting cold? Is it eh, like, where are you at now? Yeah, we didn't have the Indian summer that we usually have. Um, but uh, as you can see, I mean, you've got a little bit of sunlight coming through today. Uh, I, we, we definitely feel those um, autumn months coming up. So uh, All right. yeah, it's no. been a little touch and go. Yeah. Right. I'm starting to pull out the hoodies. We're getting into, yeah. we're getting into that season. <laughs> I have t-shirt season and then hoodie season. So we're, we're moving into hoodie season here. So I'm in Waukesha as usual. Um, now, before we get into the discussion on EdCast, let's go to the question of the week and yours today. And those of you who are watching can play along as well. But Annie, what song, when you hear it, can you not help but just start singing along with? <laughs> um, you, I think people, everybody knows this, but every time I hear Take Me to Church by uh, Hoosier. I think that's how he pronounces his name. Uh, I, I can't help but sing it. And it, it's well, the most no matter difficult where you song. Are, no matter where no you matter are, where I am, I'm going to sit like, there I gotta and, do this right and now. belt one out. That's right. Okay. All right. But well, you're not going to no, make me sing it, right, Christopher? I told you I would not make you sing it. <laughs> but I could, you know, what happens if all of a sudden I just started playing Pandora and you heard it? I guess based on the answer to this question, you'd have no choice but to start I singing along. I, I won't I do, do that. <laughs> I, won't, I will not do that to you, I promise. Thank you. Um, so for mine, mine, I would say, and again, I I am notoriously that one. I, I end up singing along to a lot of songs. But right now, my kids and I are obsessed with Trolls World Tour. So pretty much anything from that soundtrack, but specifically Just Sing, I don't know why. Right. That song is very, very addictive. And so now if I hear it, which that one, right? You don't hear it on the radio. It doesn't, but it plays a right. lot in our house. And so that's right. That's right. Anna Kendrick <laughs> and, and Justin Timberlake singing along here. Right. Along those same lines, the Lego song, the Everything is Awesome song. Everything. Uh, that's another one. That, yeah. Do you remember wow. that one? Okay. Okay. <laughs> same thing. Same. You know what? Same problem. I actually yeah. just watched, I just watched that movie with my son probably a week ago. And yes, I can see where. That one, that's right. But again, so that we don't turn this episode of Learning Tech Talks into yeah. karaoke. <laughs> that's right. We can we'll do carpool direction. karaoke. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. That would be, you know what? Hey, it's it's my show. We can do whatever we want. So I guess that's we right. technically know, but it's fine. <laughs> All right. So you're coming from Edcast, which, you know, as we were talking before we came live, I think a lot of people in our industry if they are familiar with EdCast, many of them may have kind of this perception or just kind of this association with, oh, EdCast, that's that's the LXP company. And right. yes, the answer to that is yes. And there's more to it than, than just the LXP. So when people say, hey, Annie, you work for EdCast, what do they do? How do you answer that question? Oh, wow. Well, um we, I generally answer that question um, in what you might consider a little 
you know, vague, even corporate speak. Um, but but I, the problem is it's true. Yeah. I use words people don't really right. understand when I describe it. So yes, that's <laughs> I was trying not to use synergy. Uh, I'm like, don't use synergy. Don't say digital transformation. Uh, so it is a little bit of corporate speak. But I think that what we do is that we we help companies build smarter organizations. Um, and when we're talking about that, that's why when you know the tagline work. Work smarter, not harder. Uh, that's something that obviously is not our. We did not coin that phrase, uh, but I think we adopted it because um, the, the the way we are looking at development, and and that really is one of our core types of uh, basic uh, philosophy is how do we develop people. Um, but uh, but development for development's sake is is not something that we're just striving to say, we train these this many people. Actually, we don't care about that. What we care about is that business impact. And I'm already slippery sliding down that corporate speak road. Um, don't worry, but, I'll pull you back if you go too yeah, far. Thank you. <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> yeah, but basically, how do we help people work faster, work smarter, um, maybe, feel more comfortable in their position? Uh, how do we kind of create that ecosystem of learning and knowledge um, to just help people perform better? I think that that is probably a more simple way of saying it. Okay. See, I'm helping you practice so that the next time somebody says, Annie, you work for EdCast, what do they do? <laughs> That's you, you right. Down. You're just going to go, well, you know what? I was on learning tech talks and I, and I figured this out. No. And I think it's, a, I think it's an important clarification because you know, it is easy sometimes to get caught up in the right. Well, we're we're developing or we're we're doing all this stuff, but, but to what end, right? The question of so what, right. where is that taking us? So how how long have you been with EdCast? Um, I've been uh, about two years, and if uh, some people don't know me, my background with it, uh, I, I was a total L and D practitioner before uh, coming over, crossing over to, to the doc side. Only from the vendor side. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I really have a hard time in those meetings when we're in an RFP, not, you know, taking a client side and challenging right. my own yeah, company. Just, and they're just, like, yeah, hey, shut you up. You're, you're on the other side now. Do you remember that? Yep. Um, and so, yeah, I've spent, I'm a, I'm a total corporate baby. I, I was at GE at the same time you were. Um, mm -hmm. But I also, you know, so I've spanned three different corporate universities um, in, in several blue chip companies. So I'm, I'm a total corporate baby. Um, but I am loving the the startup or scale up space. I'm loving vendor side. It's it, it's true. It's extremely interesting and extremely challenging. You see a lot of different um, people. You you feel a lot of different corporate cultures. But um, so I've been at EdCast for about two years, and I'm I'm their chief learning strategist, as as you said in the very beginning. So yeah. Well, and so how you've been there two years. How are you seeing kind of EdCast's strategy start to right evolve to match this whole future of work type stuff? Because even in the years I've been familiar with EdCast, I've seen it. I've personally seen right yeah. it expand and, and develop as you know you start to address this whole wait. How do we how do we better enable performance and development? It's its capabilities have continued to expand. So what have you seen? And you're on the inside. How have you seen that shift over the last couple of years? Yeah, it's, 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 it's really interesting because, I mean, the DNA of EdCast is obviously in the heart of Silicon Valley. Uh, and I think everybody knows, or a lot of people who know EdCast um, knows the story of Car Carl Mehta and how he was a venture capitalist and he just didn't have, he needed knowledge at his fingertips, didn't have it, decided to build a company that would deliver it to him. And that's kind of like the origin story of EdCast. Um, but uh, but that kind of DNA born, you know, born in an incubator in Stanford, having a lot of people coming over from that, um, either the SaaS space or the learning space, getting together. Um, they're really tapped into kind of that Silicon Valley way of developing apps. It's very consumer driven. Um, it's it's a, a lot of the it's the new way. You know, you're writing this uh, you, the user stories and figuring out what they need instead of using your expertise to kind of design a platform. Let's go to them and ask them what they need and design backwards and figure that out. Um, so it's a balance of that understanding, listening to the con uh, to the client, understanding where they're going to kind of 
go and in, in hand in hand with them. And also looking at the industry, looking at um, listening to analysts, listening to great shows like this where we can get really inspired on where uh, the, the, our direction should be going in the future. Um, and so we kind of balance out our own internal expertise, our, our market research, and the voice of the customer. Um, and that's how we kind of decide which, uh, not only which features to develop more, but um, where are we going as a company? The, the, the space keeps changing, you know, LXPs, or even, you know, I think Fosway calls them next-gen learning platforms. Um, yeah. The, w w yeah, I mean, w some people just call us a learning platform and we don't, actually care we're, we're we're we call ourselves a knowledge cloud uh because it's more than just learning yeah, it's knowledge your, your term is knowledge cloud all right yeah absolutely so we use knowledge cloud um and we were the first ones i promise you i found documentation the first ones to say that we were netflix of knowledge um and and we have it online dated so we know that but but right. we've kind of stepped away from that term just because it's become um, probably overused. Um, and then also a lot of people are telling us, hey, you know what? Netflix doesn't really give me good recommendations. I don't <laughs> So we, well, we, we said, okay, you're really right. the behavior we're driving towards, right? I think that was always Absolutely. my challenge with it is right. that's not, we're, in our orgs, our, our goal is not to drive the behavior of binging on learning content, right? It's like, well, no, yeah. it should be for a purpose, not Absolutely. You found something that was interesting and next thing you know, the weekend's over and you're like, whoops, I forgot to, right, I forgot to eat. That's not what we're driving. So I, I can see where right. you kind of said, hey, conceptually, the goal was to say, hey, you find what you need. But I think, yeah, the, the analogy kind of grew legs and went way too far. Absolutely. And, uh, and I think that when we were talking internally about um, what really makes sense uh, in terms of direction. I think, you know, just keeping that mission in mind around developing people and, it, you know, whether it's people within an organizational structure like a company or is it citizens of a nation, um, we find that just upskilling is extremely important. And um, and again, when we talk about upskilling, it's not just own personal development, it's a, around performance support, it's around business impact, it's around, um, hey, preparing yourself for that future that's gonna move, your job is changing. You know, you know I, you, you've done uh, topics around future of work, um, digitalization kind of changing the world. Uh, it, that's kind of old news since since the pandemic, right? We weren't even talking about future work anymore. Um, but you know, last year when we were yeah, thinking about I, this. It is weird to think, you know, on that it's funny because we were saying this before, this is the last episode before my one year anniversary of doing mm -hmm. this. And it is so funny because right next Tuesday is the one year. And I think back a year ago to when I started this, there was no way to predict what 2020 was going to bring, <laughs> right? There was no way. Well, I guess yeah. there were some ways, but ultimately we couldn't have seen well, this coming completely. Absolutely. And it is hilarious. That now looking back, it's like, holy moly, like 2020 was quite the year on, on that front. And, absolutely. Well, and I, yeah. And you know, one of the questions and Peter, we're going to, we're going to get to this. So, so Peter asked a question about the role of the learning designer in here. And I think what you're going to find Peter, as we talk about this is this is a big common question that yeah. comes up. I think a lot, whenever we talk about, you know, this new technology or this new way of supporting organizations, all this kind of stuff. And I think we're probably going to hit on this from a number of different angles because yeah. where I sometimes see fear creeping in, it's when we don't know, like, well, what what role do I play in this? And from my perspective, we still play a very critical role in this, despite all the tech. It's just pivoting a little bit in terms of what we're actually doing in our day-to-day -day activity. Absolutely. And I, Peter, I love your question. Um, because You know, it's really, really funny. It's a timely question because um, I was talking to a big pharma here in Europe yesterday um, that really asked me about... Um, uh, one major question, they said, listen, you know, we're, we're thinking about LXP, we're going in this direction, uh, we're looking at that new ecosystem, but um, how do I prepare my L&D? I'm really concerned about L&D capabilities. Yep. 
right? My own capabilities. How is our our, our corporate university, corporate academy, corporate uh, L&D, however you want to call it, um, is going to change? And how do I prepare my teens for that? Um, and I, 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 I did a, a discussion in uh, learning, uh, what is that? Um, learning Technologies in London. Uh, what is that big event? Yeah, uh, exactly. learning tech, learning isn't it? Learning tech, tech? yeah, like yeah, that. and I, and where I, I talked about the changing roles, and specifically for the learning designer, or uh, you know, I, I want to distinguish learning designer and learning manager because when you're talking about a learning manager, um, they may do design, they do may do some project management, um, and or they may not. Maybe they're just kind of like the, in, taking the order and kind of turning it around and making sure that that's happening. Um, so. When you're looking at the learning designer, um, obviously everybody's talking about curation. You know, how do you design faster? How do you um, how do you actually meet this kind of rolling need? So I think the skills when you're looking at the role of someone who's doing instructional design or learning design, uh, they're going to shift a lot more to kind of rapid creation of content in context, uh, and, which is what we call curation. Uh, I think everybody calls that curation, by the way. And and so that collection of smaller nuggets. Yeah, exactly. I was like, it's a, it's a playlist. Okay. <laughs> I just have to, you know, it's, it's not that hard. It's a playlist, but it's a consolidated, thoughtful playlist. Uh, and I think that that's the difference. But when you talk about the learning manager who's going to understand and talk to stakeholders about that, you know, I'm coming to me with a problem. Um, you know, it's funny, people will come and say, um, how do I get to Kirkpatrick's level four of proving, you know, uh, business impact on, uh, training with training? Yep. And I, you know, and it, it's really funny. And it's like in the future, stop using that Kirkpatrick model and start with the level four. When you're talking to your internal stakeholders and they say, I have a training problem, I think I have a training problem, I have this need, I'm doing some transformation, whatever reason uh, an internal stakeholder would come to L&D for, um, what you might want to say is start with what's the KPI you want to change. What, what KPI are you, so, you know, the same question performance consultants ask. Uh, an Accenture, Deloitte, or, you know, we work a lot with kind of dedicated learning uh, consultants like Blue Water and Rapid uh, Rapid LD uh, that are just pure in that learning space. And they always start with the question, what what statistic do you want me to change? What KPI do you want me to change? What are you, where are you trying to move? And then let's work backwards with that solution. If you're trying to increase sales by 50%, let's start with that one, right? And then let's work back and see if there's kind of a training solution. Right. And I think that's an important piece as we talk about this. You know, and again, we could probably have an entire episode talking about how the goal is changing because it is, right? There's there's no denying it. And I think as leaders in L&D, we can't pretend that, oh, everybody's job is going to look the same this year as it did Last year, it's not, um, but I think it's about shifting those skills. So as we as we kind of do, and again, I think we're going to unpack some of these things as we get into some of the capabilities of EdCast itself. Right. If we look at, right, you look at the LXP component, and again, I doubt we'll get into the weeds of every single capability, but let's start with the LXP one, which is really designed to, in many ways, serve as this big curator, correct? Is that a fair assessment? <laughs> Absolutely, we could we couldn't call that uh, uh, a big curator because there's uh, at least with EdCast LXP uh, we have that machine learning layer that is actually serving as a ranking and recommendation uh, engine. And based on your behaviors, based on your role within the company, do you have a team? Um, where do you sit? What country do you sit in? Um, all of these are kind of signals that our machine learning is picking up from your profile or your HRIS profile. But all of those behaviors that you have on the platform, what are you consuming? Uh, what content are you clicking on? Um, how are you engaging with that content? Are you writing comments? Are you liking it? Are you sharing it? Are you assigning it to somebody else? Um, all of those behaviors are additional signals that inform our machine learning. And so that first layer of curation, you're absolutely right, right, 
it's done by uh, our machine learning because it understands um, who you are in that ecosystem and what you're doing. So uh, the more signals that you send, the more you interact with the platform and the more it understands what you're trying to achieve and it's going to surface or push content to you um, and, and we find that that's a, a, a really nice way of anchoring kind of that just-in-time learning. You know, I don't know what you're going to want to learn tomorrow. So I'm taking these kind of event-paced cues um, of what you're doing and what you say you're doing and what you're interacting in um, to actually kind of bring me some of that relevancy. So when we think about that, because I think it's this is an important piece, and it, again, it ties back to this question around this, which is on the surface, that can look very terrifying as an L&D mm -hmm. professional, right? Because you're like, that's right. that sounds scary. So you're telling me that AI is now going to go across the landscape. It's going to figure all this stuff out. It's going to make recommendations. And then it's going to deploy it to people. And, and with EdCast specifically, right, where they are, whether that's Slack or Teams or things like that. And it can leave you kind of going, so what role do I play in that capability? But to me, and I'm interested in your thoughts on this, you can't just flip that switch and then walk away and go, all right, well, we'll just trust that that's happening. There's still a role in making sure that you're understanding what's happening, looking at that, kind of taking the lessons from that and help shaping and shepherding that for the organization. Going back to your earlier point of well, what problems are we trying to solve? Because going to the Netflix analogy, we don't want it to turn into Netflix where everybody's just out there binge binge learning. It's right. more about saying, okay, hey, now the machines are allowing us to have more capacity to focus on these higher order things where we can look at what's actually happening, make decisions, inform, help shape, right? Hone this stuff instead of spending all our time running around trying to do this. And by the way, for organizations that either have smaller L&D teams or or just massive and global. I mean, I, I don't think in my entire career I've ever heard anybody say, we've mastered it. We've we've got it. Yeah. We have enough resources and time to do this for every individual and personalize it all to them along the way. So is that, you know, is that kind of a fair in terms of how, when organizations are bringing this in, the designers and learning teams are still very actively involved in this. Uh, absolutely. But I, I think that they do need to shift their roles a little bit. Um, I, I actually have a slide. Can I can I pull up a slide just yeah, to show well, you? Because I told you you had to share at least one slide with this fancy Prezi video technology so that everybody right. watches. What the heck is that? That's right. So I've got to do a shout out to Joe Hayes. Um, he's an L&D director at Atisalat, one of our clients. Um, and he was at the summit, our EdCast summit last week. And he, I was, I was his moderator. He's, he was one of my panelists. And he really impressed me with, um, oh, sorry, this is not the slide I wanted to show you. He really impressed me with uh, uh, Prezi Zoom. And this is this little slide deck that you can can just be really fancy. Uh, but I'm shown I up on my own show by one of the guests. You know, but it's fine. It's fine. I use it as a learning That's opportunity. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I work for a tech company. You can tell. That's true. That's true. Uh, and so um, I, I'm going to just zoom in really quickly as I talk here, um, because just to get back to that kind of role of corporate university, role of L&D uh, in the future, um, I, I tend to pull up a slide that really talks about, um, this is a McKinsey model that I've stolen, um, and we call it You, Me, We. And what's really interesting about You, Me, We is talking about the different phases of how L&D can kind of reshape itself and what role technology has in helping L&D to reshape itself. So when we're looking at a model, the typical model that we were just talking about that you just explained, right, um, yeah. is really around the you. You know, it's 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 collective needs. It's the corporate strategy. Um, it's corporately named experts that are, you know, validated and approved by um, the organization. And really the role of technology is that management of that prescribed knowledge. And if that sounds familiar, we're, we're, ta we're really talking about compliance training, mandatory training. It is the raison d'etre of, of L&D uh, for the last 50 years. We're there to train what we say you need to know. But more and more, 
the world is shifting, uh, you know, the consumer uh, tech products are, you know, invading that enterprise space and people are used to personalization. That's what we were talking about earlier with Netflix, right? Netflix has made us impatient um, uh, about personalized experience, right? Uh, and so if we go on and have the, what, sorry, what were you going to say? No, I'm just laughing about it. Cause I'm thinking about <laughs> right, the Netflix thing. You even think about it. It is true. We even complain about Netflix now. It's, it's not doing a good job. Like, what are you talking about? Years ago, you had to go to, go to Blockbuster and like walk through the aisles to figure out what even existed and, and figure out like, well, I don't know anything about this thing. And now you're presented with content that's relative. I mean, it might not be perfect, but it's relatively close. You have access to watch a trailer. You can kind of determine, hey, there's at least something behind this. And we're, we're already going, it's yeah. not good enough. Yeah, it it pushed this to me. I don't want to watch this. Like, I don't want to watch this. Really? Nine hundred thirty-seven that actually worked exactly. good. This, it's too or terrible. Uh, absolutely. So a lot of people don't realize that you know there's millions of of of, of assets that's sitting behind that very simple Netflix interface. Um, and EdCast is kind of like the same way. So, but it, that that experience has actually made us really impatient around personalization. So we expect not only vendors or the systems we interact with, with to know more about us, um, but we we have a high expectation around that recommendation. And so um, I think that. That when you're looking at technology and especially the the LMS space, LMSs they are our friends. Um, I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like we are competing with LMSs, uh, but you know the LMS space does that compliance training and that kind of you very well. Um, but in terms of personalization and the me and kind of you know having technology help you to enable that discovery uh, on your own, so you can be a little bit more curious about uh, learning, so you can kind of. Um, search it for yourself and you can shift that culture from, you know, spoon fed training to I'm going to go out and get it. You know, at, at home, we go out and we don't know how to work the washing machine. We're not going to, you know, wait until, you know, we're not going to necessarily call the vendor. What are we going to do? We're going to look for a video on YouTube. We're going to do a lot of different things to grab that knowledge. Um, and the mistake that L&D makes today, I think, is the assumption that we, we we just forget all of that knowledge as we walk into it's, it's almost like you know people don't know how to learn of course people know how to learn we learn every day it's just yep. that l d breaks us from that habit as we walk through the doors of 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 um of, uh, of, of the you know we step into that corporate arena and we completely forget and we wait for LD to tell us what we need to learn, which is completely ridiculous, but we all do it because we've been trained that way because yeah. the system, those processes, you know, learning plan, everything that kind of formalizes learning makes us forget that we know how to learn. Um, well, we just I need the tools and the technology to do it. We've missed, I think the definition of what learning in has, has gotten warped. And I think that's contributed to it, right? You know, in a corporate right. environment, people have kind of this mindset. It's like, oh, well, learning is when I engage in, right, the, the learning program or whatever comes to me. Right. It's like, well, no, learning is whenever you're developing something, right? Whatever that is, whether that's going and talking to, you know, the person down the row or pinging somebody about, hey, how do I do this thing? I'm, I'm stuck, right? That's happening organically all the time. And right. I think the model started where that started to creep in more was when we started refining that definition of, hey, no, learning is kind of this organic, it's happening everywhere yeah. you go. How do we as mm -hmm. L&D tap into that reality, right? How do we right. tap into reality and break away from this idea that no, learning is is this insulated silo that that we control. And I think breaking down those walls has helped tremendously with this. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's, I, I love to hear you say that because I don't think a lot of people think in that direction, at least um, um, we're starting to think in that direction, right? There, we're starting to say, ah, oh, that's why we called it formal learning and informal learning. <laughs> I, I forgot about that, you know, and because we're so obsessed with yeah. that formal learning pro program. Um, and a lot of the people, a lot of prospects, a lot of clients I talk to, I, they say digital learning is really important to us. And I say, okay, how much do you do? And they, 
10%. And so a lot of where their energy and their time is focused on that 90% of that kind of traditional stuff. Um, and they just can't seem to free themselves from that kind of obligation because um, they're kind of stuck in these same roles, same paradigm. When I come with a request, I have to fulfill the request. Um, and so um, when we're thinking about kind of how do we react and how do we leverage technology, um, what we want to say, and I'm going to bring this back up again, what we want to say at EdCast is that if you have technology to, you know, help you with the you, you know, you need to do this. Let yep. technology run that compliance, right? Let, you know, how can it help the me? Well, the me, obviously, all, everything that's personalized, our machine learning, but even systems that are geared towards uh, uh, kind of uh, engagement, you're going to find technology, and EdCast does that, uh, you know, just absolutely perfectly uh, in terms of the me and the personalization and how you can really make it feel like that space is yours, not the company space. This is my space, you know? And then obviously the we for us is the most important. How can we go faster together? And I'm a really big believer in collective intelligence, um, but I'm also a big believer in, you know, Actually, the we part and social learning um, is probably the oldest form of learning in the world, right? I mean, that's how humans learn. So they do social learning. They learn off each other. Um, all we're doing right now is adding a technology layer to facilitate the distance. Um, but yeah. the, the, the reflex is there. I learn from you. You learn from me. Um, let's just try to get technology to help facilitate, amplify, and um, reach people that you couldn't reach before through social learning. So getting experts to share their tacit knowledge, tacit knowledge um, and, and do it in a way that doesn't feel like my boss asked me to write uh, a process and put it on SharePoint. No, that's not the point. <laughs> the point is give them the appetite to share that knowledge because they feel rewarded and recognized when they do share it. You know, and that's, well, and I, I think, what Ed has done. Looking the model in what you're describing here, you know, I think when you think about the we... I think the we is where we're getting closer to that. And, and again, it's a, what I sometimes see that I try and shut down is when, when there's like these battles of like, well, which one's right. And it's like, well, there, there isn't really a right. right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a balancing act of, well, there needs to be this or needs to be that. But as I look at the, we, to me, that's kind of this maturity journey moving right. towards learning in the flow of work type stuff, right. Where you start Absolutely. to say, you know, the, the, the you is, right, that's formal and it's coming to me. I need to do it because I need to do it. The me is my own personal development. The we is we're trying to get things done. We're, we're actually working. We're working through some of these challenges. How are we enabling that and supporting each other? How are the, how is the technology enabling us? All these kinds right. of things. And I, this is where one of the things that I think has been a big inhibitor for this is the fear factor, right? L&D right. figuring out what is our role in this. And I, I think when I look at it, when you think about getting to the you and the, and the we, that is impossible without technology. <laughs> it is literally impossible to do it without technology. So this fear of like, well, we won't have a role. Right. No, I mean, there is way more than you could ever do in a lifetime that needs to get done. Right. And we've been trying for years, right? We've been trying to, how do we reach people and, and provide personalized experience? How do we actually support them where they are? Without technology, the answer is you don't. And so right. I think that's where, when we can embrace that and start looking at tools like this to say, all right, well, how is this actually allowing us to reach a broader audience, enable performance in different ways? That's mm -hmm. where, right, that's where the rubber hits the road. Yeah. And, and you know what you're saying reminds me of one of my uh, a former boss, um, the, the actually the founder of Dannon Academy. So Dannon's uh, corporate academy that I um, I took over after he left. Uh, so he was my former boss. Uh, and uh, he you know, we, we talked a lot about where the future were going. And that's Thierry Bonetto. Um, and he, um, you know, he was really big on learning how to learn. 
you know? Um, and we talk about, you know, with all this technology coming in, you know, we're shortening design cycles, we're automating a lot of things, you know, EdCast, we talked a little bit earlier about, um, you know, we have this product called My Guide uh, that does digital adoption and automation. Um, and, you know, he, 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 we would always talk about, uh, he said, you know, I'm not afraid of the future and where it's going to bring in terms of what does that mean for learning? Learning will never go away. But what we're going to do in the future is we're going to teach people how to learn. And that's going to be our job in the future. We're not going to teach. Yeah. We're not going to be teaching people what to learn. We're going to teach them how to learn. So, you know, just like your Apple Watch teaches you how to move by giving you some of those indicators, teaching you what metrics are important. L&D is going to teach you how to learn and, and right. give you the tools and the mettrics and all of that that you need to interpret your own learning. feedback, right? Exactly. We are in many ways going to be these architects that are, are doing it. And to me, that's an exciting future, right? That is an exciting future where yeah. we have opportunity to do things differently. So you might have froze, so I might have to go solo here while Annie, while Annie mm -hmm. comes back in. <laughs> are you there? Nope, she's not. All right. Well, uh, I, she's probably. I'm sorry. Oh, wait. I, I'm. You're back. Are you back? Yes. I I'm can sorry. Hear you. you just froze up, and I figured it was me. Sorry about nope, that. No, froze on camera, but you're you're in a very nice position. So hey, now you're back. <laughs> we can hear you. So that counts. <laughs> awesome. Sorry about that. No, no worries. Well, so on this one, um, so one interesting question that came up a little while back that I'm actually really curious. I've got a perspective on this, but I'm curious from a tech standpoint, how some of this handle, how you handle this from a technology standpoint. So Rebecca brought up the question, right? When you look at some of these social learning platforms, and as you move into this curation space, right? You're curating these massive yeah. libraries of content, things like that, similar to social media, right? There's not all content, not all learning opportunities are created equal. And there's there's a lot of garbage right. out there. There's a ton of garbage out there. So I'm curious, does EdCast, you know, as you look at that, what process or what capabilities are in place to kind of help preventing this, Not, I mean, it's not fake news necessarily, but right, incorrect yeah. information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe there's this stuff that oh, somebody created this social learning video and holy smokes, this is not even accurate. How, how does the technology help prevent that? Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and that's a funny question because, you know, if you're looking in social media and YouTube, it's it's really easy to answer. It's the community autocorrects for quality and the quality surfaces. Right. But in, in the corporate world, can you take that risk? Really? I mean, the, I, I don't think that a lot of companies that we work with, we work with a lot of global 2000 companies. They're not ready to take that risk. And neither are we in terms of allowing over time for the content to auto-correct and only the quality uh, content will surface, um, it's just not a good enough answer. And so um, the, on the EdCast platform, um, what we recommend, and the, the system is really designed to build in the level of controls and governance that you need. Um, and, and it's really interesting because you can give as little or as much freedom. Do you want everybody to create content or do you just want maybe SMEs, uh, uh, subject matter experts, uh, managers, leaders, um, uh, uh, sorry, functional leaders, things like that. Do you want them to start um, uh, and then maybe kind of roll out to a more general population of creating their own content? Um, but if you are going to go big bang and have everybody do social learning at the same time, what we do is we have special branding um, not like the one on Twitter, but we can give people uh, little crown roles to say that you're a little bit more official than the others. <laughs> okay. And then, like and it. then, yeah, you're like yeah, an influencer, then, right? Like on LinkedIn, exactly. it's like the influence. email on your profile. So it's like, well, yeah. this person says it, they have a That's little right. more street cred than this other person. 
Right. Absolutely. And you know what? You only get it if you've got really good engagement numbers. So we're tracking everybody's engagement numbers and you see how your content gets engagement, how, you know, the people get engagement, how groups or communities are engaged and how channels get engagement. And so as we're monitoring all that, um, you can really see who's getting the engagement and who actually deserves, and I'm putting that in air quotes, um, the uh, reward or special recognition. And that actually inspires inspires them to come on and give more content because I think for experts, the biggest reward is someone reaching across and saying, thank you, that was useful, you know, Um, and and, and seeing that you're creating content and that you get to see your statistics and how how much engagement you're driving, that's exciting for people. Um, And so that actually inspires that sharing. But in the end, you know, and to get back to Rebecca's question is make sure (laughs) on any platform, if you have officially branded, top-down, formal content mixed in with informal content, make sure that the informal content is being shared in a specific and very clear space where everybody knows that that is bottom-up. And then yep. make sure that your programs are branded so there's the, you, that it's very clear that it's, it's top-down. And I think that that's the best recommendation I can give. Make sure that learners know that because the expectation level, quality of production, uh, what they see inside, how much they trust the data um, will be handled differently just from a visual cue or kind of a a behavioral cue if you have something clear clear like that on the platform. Well, no, it does. It does. Right. And I think the technical capabilities you're hitting on, which you know, are, are important to highlight is what I, I love the right little like crown, right? The influencer crown where it's like, Hey, this yeah. is, this is this person, their content has been, you know, bonked with the scepter of, of the platform saying like, yeah, this is, this is legit stuff. But I think the other point you hit on that is important is the fact that, you know, it's a, it's a journey, right? You, you don't necessarily go into this and just open the floodgates and say, hey, everybody, go, go do your thing. Or you don't have to, you right. can, but you can take more of a gated approach where you say, hey, let's let's open to a group of subject matter experts, right? Let's, let's let them do it first and then let's expand this. But yeah. I will say what I've seen over the years and in my experiences in doing this, the community is often <laughs> one of the greatest police forces right. out there. I mean, and in many ways, almost act faster than, you know, and again, machine learning helps because now you can have people, you know, downgrading it saying, Hey, this is not accurate, or this is not what you should do. And, and instead of having to wait for somebody on the LD team to catch that and do something about it, right. The system can automatically start to downgrade content. So I think, again, it goes back to that whole take the journey, but you have to be willing to take a little risk. And again, it's a shift in mindset and recognizing that we don't always know what's best, right? We don't know. We don't know. We don't have all the answers to everything in our organization. And sometimes we have to hand over the keys and say, you do it. You do the job every day. (laughs) You're better equipped to tell people what they really need to know to do this job than I am. And even from an agility standpoint, you can probably read things 10 times faster than I, than I do because you, because you're actually out there doing it. So I think, I think it's a, it's a great answer, but I think it it does take a shift in, in our mindset for sure. Yeah, no. And you know what? I I have to say that that some of the best pathways um, on EdCast I've seen comes from just some subject matter expert being extremely creative, um, not even from corporate L&D. And they're definitely sitting in our clients. You know, I've got uh, a team of instructional designers that are working over here and creating pathways and doing really interesting things. And they're they're thinking about this all day long. And, you know, we'll get some guy that's, you know, building a turbine <laughs> and has this awesome pathway. And we've never thought of using these heart cards in the way he's used it. And it's just amazing. And, he, and, and this person knows nothing about learning, nothing even about pedagogy, and has just built the most awesome pathway that I've ever seen. So indeed, I think letting letting go, right? It's letting go of control. That is, that is hard. That is hard stuff to be willing to let go and realize that, you know what, but again, it also, and I think this goes back to one of the points we brought up earlier, the fear factor, like, oh, and I, and I do see this creep in, right? This fear factor of, 
oh no, well, if the SMEs are creating content, what do we do, right? What what is our role in that? And it's like, well, your job yeah. is to is to find those incredible SMEs, right? To find yeah. those people out there who are doing these things and say, how do we elevate that? How do we amplify that? How do we, you know, really maximize the capability of that instead of being afraid that someone's going to be better at your job than you? And and again, it's it's shifting from this scarcity to an abundance mindset that I think right. would benefit everybody in this. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we've talked a lot about XP piece, which again, I think, you know, we, we've hit on some of these big topics in terms of how you do this, but I am curious too, cause we, I, we've only got 15 minutes left and I know we're not going to be able to go as deep on the other ones, but as we talk oh, about some of the capabilities, we've got right. the LXP, which again is helping enable this, this you and this we component from, Hey, how are we getting you content? How are we doing these other things? What are some of the other ones then? I, I actually kind of, mm. well, let's just jump into this, right? As we talk about my guide and this digital adoption capability, you know, how has that evolved out of kind of the EdCast strategy? Yeah, and I, I think, thanks for asking. Um, uh, the, the, my guide, I think, was a an acquisition from EdCast about three years ago. Um, but the acquisition came, uh, it, it, it made so much sense um, because when we're looking at from an angle of how do we make sure, because remember the, 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 the origin of it was Carl needing on the job to understand as a venture capitalist, uh, what am I, you know, I'm, I'm receiving two people in my office in 10 minutes on this topic and I have nothing, you know, and I'm going to have to judge if I'm going to give them money. Um, maybe I need to do really, you know, I need to do some research on this. Um, and so it really, that when I hear that it's performance support. So yep. along those same lines and then seeing, you know, um, my guide, uh, you know, what Burson, Josh Burson is talking about and learning in the flow of work, more and more we see that. And my guide was really EdCast's first step into learning in the flow of work. In other words, we said, how do we allow people to learn? And, and specifically for my guide, which is a digital adoption tool, um, how do we teach them to learn new systems? Um, there's all of these new systems are not for enterprise are not being designed with easier UX. Uh, I would love to have a enterprise wide system that, you know, is no training uh, when you deploy it, but that's it's just never not gonna, here's the thing. That's never gonna yeah. happen though, right? No. I, I, this all the time with platforms is like, oh, this system is so intuitive, it doesn't right. require training. People will just know how to use it. And it's that's yeah. not it's, it's just never the case. Maybe more people will, you know, th things like that. And what's interesting, you know, as you're talking about my guide, is I think about the LXP capability. I see that as right, and even with the integrations of the LXP into, let's say, Teams or Slack or things like that, right. you know, I still see that as you're bringing learning close to the flow of work, right? You're bringing it right. closer to the flow of work. It's still right. it's still a distraction from the work, but it's right. significantly less than oh, we have to wait for a two day workshop to go out to the corporate university. So you're bringing it close to the flow of work. As I look at right. my guide and kind of digital adoption technology. I see that to your point, what you said is it's learning in the flow of work because it's not disrupting your work. It's actually saying yeah. you're doing this right now here in real time is the stuff that's actually helping you do work, not necessarily asking you to stop your work and do some learning. Yeah. Well, I mean, but if you think of it from a just purely cognitive standpoint, how many times have you like picked up your phone to do one thing on it? Get distracted by the notifications, messages. 15 minutes later, you put down your phone, you get back, oh, you said, oh, I, I was actually going for something else and I didn't do that at all. And I kind of finished using So learning kind of from application to application in the enterprise is kind of the same way. Every time you need to hop on, hop off, um, you get distracted. It, it, it creates a little bit more of, uh, of interference. And, and, and so 
as time goes on, the, the pace of business has gone so fast that you've got, you know, uh, and I think I, I read a statistic, you're distracted in open space once every five minutes. Uh, so any kind of concentration to kind of get them in the flow of that system, uh, not only are they going to, you know, you don't want to get them off a system, learn how to use a system, go to, the, to this e-learning module that's going to teach you that system and then come back and use a system. Why aren't you just queued, just like my guide does, um, when you're about to use a specific feature, why can't you just learn it at that moment? Um, yep. And then what we do is we put some intelligence behind it. So this is we have some robotic uh, automation of uh, RPAs or a robotic process automation. Um, and so over time, it's going to learn what you what you're doing, what your workflow needs to be through that intelligence, that same machine learning that's kind of coming in and understanding what you need. Um, we've applied that to my guide to where it's going to anticipate those auto, and then they're going to automate those workflows. So that creates adoption right away because not only uh, not only am I kind of I'm assisted as I go. So, you know, those one once every quarter events where you have to log into a financial system and do something or yeah, yeah. Right? That, like, Hey, remember to go do this activity that you do once every right. six months that you just, you never, and there's no point in you learning it because you don't need to no. actually learn it. You just need to do it. Do it exactly, and I think that that my guide is really more and more not only helping in the adoption, you know, a mass adoption when you're going through deployment, but it's every day. I mean, you need the tool every day because there are infrequent users. Um, there are users that are just putting in wrong information. So my guide actually looks at the data that you put in there and said, "Hey, you know what? Based on our database, that I, I don't think that that's right. Are you sure? You know?" And so it can help you with data quality. It can help you, you know, just keep. Uh, just maintain a system a little bit easier if we have to stay tied to those heavy enterprise systems, which we all do. Uh, and so it's just that reality. So um, but well, and I think that's right. That's an important piece. And I love that you brought up the right once every six months, you, you have to do this type of thing. And again, it's one of those things where when you start to look and, and think intelligently about, you know, what are we trying to accomplish? Do we really need people to know, like, do we need to teach them and train them how to do all this stuff so that they can do it without thinking? I would say no, right? If you actually are asking what problem are we trying to solve? It's like, no, we just need when people need to do this. We just need to make sure they do it right. That's it. Whether they remember that after the fact, whether that, you know, there, there's no translation to their workplace performance, things like that. We just want to enable this task. I think that's where those type of capabilities mm -hmm. kind of, start to weave in. So uh, absolutely. Mark, oh, yeah. Go ahead. So well, so no, okay. I, so one other question that came from Mark, and I'm actually this is going to tie to something we talked about is kind of some of the emerging functionality that uh, Edcast is bringing into its tech stack. Uh, so Mark Ramos asked, you know, so when you look at the differentiators of Edcast, right? It, the system kind of connection, you look at your LXP, you've really used it and you've tapped into the flow of work in many regards. You've got my guide to really kind of take this performance support to the next level. Does EdCast's differentiator focus on that system interoperability or kind of this skill development, this, this talent uh, capability? And it's kind of a leading question because I know where you're going with this, but I think it's a perfect lead in to where EdCast is going a little bit in this space. Uh, yeah. And hi, Mark. Thanks for joining. Yeah, and, uh, I, I, I love Mark's mind, but he keeps me on my toes. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. And, and it's it's really hard because, yeah, it's it's a little bit what we were saying about when do you know when you need to go for best of breed? Because LXPs, TXP, uh, all of this new kind of terminology, even LMSs are going into that experience space. Um, you've got, you know, scope creep coming in from Workday, Cornerstone, and, you know, everybody's starting to have the same uh, um, um functionality set. So where, where do you draw the line? And I think that, you know, in the beginning, when we talked about that aggregation and um, knowledge cloud, pulling in all of these things that you need to develop um, and, and being that integration layer or that interoperability layer, I think that that is a very important key differentiator for EdCast because um, 
it allows our clients to make decisions later on the decisions they don't even know they have to make. Um, and, you know, I don't know what kind of technology is going to exist next year. So I'm investing in the EdCast platform that has up-to-date con- uh, interoperability and uh, up-to-date connectors that I know is going to future-proof my decisions that I need, need to make later on. And so um, we supply this upskilling, reskilling kind of features and functionality. So all other features are really to reinforce and and allow you to practice that. Um, but where we draw the line, I think, is um, we want to make sure that we're staying kind of in that development arena. Because uh, I mentioned uh, to you offline before, we're going into career pathing. Uh, but we're doing it in relationship to what do you need to learn when you want to move uh, jobs? We're not moving into the ATS or recruitment space. We're really staying in the development space. But then we connect with Fuel 58 full, the Load, uh, phenom people, those those types of partners. When you really are mature and you want to take that kind of career management step uh, a little bit further than what EdCast is ready to provide, um, because we're trying to stay in that development arena and using our best of breed partners to come in and give you kind of a booster shot when you're really mature on 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 your skills frameworks and your career mobility using newer technologies. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, it does, and and that's why. Again, when I saw Mark's question, I was going to bring it up. You know, as we got here, as we were getting <laughs> to the close, but I think it was Mark. Thank you, because I think it it really brought that to light. Which is, I think, for for many folks out there who are familiar with you, that sister system interoperability is is in many regards what you're known for, right? That's what EdCast is known for, which is a powerful thing because having that capability I mean- is important. But I think where you're getting at is now stepping into this space while at the same time recognizing where you want to play because, hey, right, I mean, you talked about an important thing is moving into this skill place is yeah. it requires some maturity to the organization. You, you, it's not a switch you just flip and say. I need, a, I need to plug in. Sorry. Oh, yeah, no problem. Yeah, it's it's not something that you can just one day wake up and say, you know what, we're going big on on skills and talent mobility yeah. and you know how we do this kind of stuff. And I think what you're getting at is that is a capability that you're continuing to build out at scale to help bridge that gap from we're not doing it all, but we also aren't ready to fully go big on that because we just don't have the maturity. Is that fair? I'm going to answer yeah, the question. No, and- you're back you're back (laughs) yes sorry in short yes thank Uh, you for that (laughs) that is absolutely right christopher um but i would be remiss if i didn't mention because we're already getting up to the top of the hour and you know we started at the beginning of what is edcast and edcast is is actually three separate product lines at least. Um, um, And I do want to talk a little bit about other ways that kind of we're using technology to disrupt development. Um, And uh, I I do have a slide, just a really quick slide. Sorry, that's not the slide I have. I do have this slide really, really quickly. um, Just talking about when we're talking about how we design differently, uh, you know, yep. when Maker Buy was the paradigm, and we were talking about it earlier about Maker Buy, um, but uh, we uh, EdCast had an acquisition um, of a uh, of a company called Leapist um, in 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 uh, Rotterdam. Leapist is now we call it EdCast Marketplace. We, they, we acquired them in January of, of last year, um, not this year. And since then, we've been really working on that tight integration of this kind of um, marketplace. And I think the easiest way to describe it, it's, it's Airbnb of training. Um, and you can find um, face-to-face content. You can find uh, all types types of learning assets, and then you can find also digital learning um, or e-learning, whatever you want to call Um, And then you can also find instructors. So it's an open marketplace where you can come and buy the content you need. Um, And, and, you know, talking about how the role of learning designers are going to change in the future, learning designers don't need to start from, you know, zero to, to design the entire program. They can come on the platform, buy some face-to-face materials, and, and, and not even buy them. 
rent them or license them. Right, it's Airbnb, right? You're leasing it. Right, exactly. You're, you're not making an investment. So instead of paying, you know, $300,000 uh, uh, for that great leadership, program, you might want to take, you know, you could take some core basic information that you find off, uh, on our marketplace. You can buy some really quality content and then you can make it your own. Your learning managers that can come in and design that 20% of customization that you might need. And so you're going from three, you know, three months of design to three weeks of design and your, your speed to impact is a lot faster when you're using some kind of, uh, you know, content marketplace. And I think more and more we're going to stop building you know from the ground up bespoke um, you're gonna, yeah you're gonna start with a, with a head start and the marketplace allows you to do that it's a really interesting product if you don't know it yeah well and again i told you i told right we're, we're running out of time we could have packed a couple more hours but i think you know i think as we looked at the conversation that we had so far as i look at the trifecta of you know ed Cass, capabilities and strategy. You've got you've got the LXP that has a capability to sit on top of and help curate what's readily available and also what, you know, what you have and helps kind of bring that to people in a, in a meaningful way. You've got the DAP capability to really support people with that real-time performance support. And then on top of it, you've got now this marketplace where you're saying, hey, look, you may not have everything you need yet from a learning stuff. We'll call it learning stuff. And rather <laughs> than having to figure out where all that is, we're bringing that to you too to help augment your existing ecosystem. So you kind of are combining those three things together in your portfolio. That's my assessment. Absolutely. We're full stack learning. That's what we say, full yeah, stack full learning. Stack learning. There you go. There you go. Absolutely. Well, and Peter, Peter, to your question, do they do demos? I'm guessing the answer to that is yes. So <laughs> Absolutely. If, people want, if people want to see it, they can they can reach out and uh, they can actually get a chance to see this in, in action. So with that, um, this has been this has been awesome. And hey, you know what? We roll with the tech. So we we were able to kind of work through it. And I think even though we weren't able to go as deep on everything as we probably would have liked to, I think this was a great overview of what you're doing there and where things are going. And um, I've really enjoyed the conversation. So thank you for being here, Annie. Thanks everybody for tuning in. I think we got most of your questions answered. And if not, you know, we can always follow up afterwards. Thank you so much. All right. And well, thank you, everybody. Have an amazing weekend.